0: Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely
1: entertaining. Customer attention expert, Joey Coleman, and social media expert,
0: Dan Gingis serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to
1: experience this. Get ready for another
0: episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss the key takeaways from a colored brick designer how your behind-the-scenes activity can support your customer-facing activity, and how the art inside the front door can set the tone for a stay.
1: Lego, leverage, and lobbies. Oh,
0: my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. Dan, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being not at all and 10 being don't even get me started, Joey, how big of a Lego fan are you? Well, I would put myself pretty high
1: up there, maybe a, a seven or seven and a half. Uh, my son for a while was crazy about Lego and he you know was building stuff all the time and now he's a teenager and doesn't look at it at all. And my daughter was never quite as interested as, as he was, but I was really enjoyed it
0: and, and had fun. So I'd say seven or seven and a half. All right, I feel like that's respectable, and that certainly works. Well, here in our house, I would say we're fast pushing an eleven, right? So I love Lego. My wife Barrett loves Lego. Our kids love Lego. Even though our youngest just graduated from Duplo to regular Lego in the last few months, which is a super exciting time for us because now we're playing with real Legos as opposed to. Duplo. Sorry, all the Lego fanatics who think Duplo counts too. I like the little Lego pieces, right? As opposed to the Duplo pieces. But our love of Lego is probably why my good buddy, Jason Gaynard, the founder of MMT, which is an event for entrepreneurs around the world, uh, sent me a Medium post by Johnny Makes. Now, Wait, 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 wait. The author's name is Johnny Makes? (laughs) I can't make this up. Oh, I can't believe you went there. (laughs) I can't believe I did either. But anyway, back to the article by Johnny makes it's called five things. I learned as a designer at Lego and details Johnny's takeaways from what I can only imagine. It's one of the coolest jobs on the planet. When I read this article, that in the interest of full disclosure is a few years old, so we'll make sure to link to it in the show notes for episode 70 at experiencethishow.com. my love of all things Lego was firmly reinforced because now I have proof of something that I had personally witnessed for many years, and that is that Lego, as a brand, is built on experience. Now, the article outlines five key learnings that Johnny had from his time working as a designer at Lego. Number one, every point of the customer experience matters. Number two, build, play in. Number three, think with your hands, not just your head. Number four, don't be afraid to dismantle to find a better way. And number five, simplicity is strength.
1: All right, since I'm not sure we have time to discuss all of those, especially given your insane love of
0: Lego joy, but why don't we focus on your top three? Fair enough, fair enough. So let's begin with something we talk about on this show every episode, if not directly, then indirectly, and that is that every point of the experience matters. Now, the article notes that all too often companies focus on the experience of using the product or the service, but the product or the service is merely one piece of the puzzle. The article encourages us to ask, where are the users when they interact with our product? What were they doing before they picked up our product? How did they discover it? What will they be doing after they put our product down? These questions all point to the fact that, and I'm quoting here, quote, Every product, whether it may seem like it or not, is a service of some kind and needs to be considered holistically within the user's journey. Now, the article details how at Lego, they actually map the experiential journey that the product or service exists within and seek to understand how it can be made better by paying attention to what happens before someone experiences Lego and what happens after they experience Lego.
1: I love that. And I think too many companies, especially the ones that are so siloed in their organizational structure, forget that from the customer point of view, there is a path. And just because you are in charge of one piece of the experience, doesn't mean you can ignore the transition between the various experiences that your customer is having, including what they were doing before and what they're doing after. Now, we've talked often about journey mapping, but usually those maps are focused on the interactions a customer has with the product or service being mapped. Based on the example in the article shares, however, their maps include everything that happens before and after the product or service interaction. In other words, Where does the product or service fit
0: into the overall life journey? Well, this stood out to me as well, Dan. And what I found interesting to think about was what happened right before they found the product and what happened right after they quit using it. That's, to me, much more of a life cycle journey map than most of the maps I've seen. And in fact, I got the chance to see this in person recently at the Lego store at Downtown Disney in Anaheim. Now, that particular Lego store is one of two stores in the world where they will create a custom Lego mosaic of your portrait.
1: And I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that
0: you have a said portrait of yourself made of Lego pieces. Oh, Dan, yes, indeed, I do. And not only do I have one of myself, I have one of my lovely wife, Barrett, and of our two boys. So I have four Lego portraits. And what's even better is I have boxes of different colored Lego elements, which I will then be able to assemble to make this portrait. So at the store, you sign up for an appointment and then you return at your appointed time and they take you to a private room that's actually located above the store. And when I say above, it's like it floats in a box up above the store and it's made of glass. So you can see down to all of the shoppers shopping underneath you and they can kind of look up to see You in the box. And then you enter a machine kind of similar to a photo booth that takes your picture multiple times. And similar to one of those choose your own adventure photo booths where you get to pick which photo you liked the best, you select the picture of yourself you like the best after they show you what it's going to look like once it's Lego fied into a mosaic. And then once you've selected it, instead of a strip of photos coming out. They print a set of directions. It's like a giant map with all the colored pieces you need and then give you a giant box, which includes monochromatic pieces to allow you to assemble your portrait. Wow. So actually getting the portrait is part of the experience before you've even built it yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So they make the experience of buying the product an experience. And in fact, the room where this all happens has several tables filled with Lego pieces because they imagine, and correctly so in our family's case, that there might be other people with you. So I had my wife, my two boys, my parents happened to be there as well. So Everybody was able to kind of play with the Legos while the person was in the booth getting their photos taken. And to me, that was a great uh, recognition by the folks at Lego of there will be an experience before the product and an experience after the product. And let's see what we can do to make that experience remarkable. This is something
1: that I love about Lego stores around the country, because it is so rare that stores give you the ability to use the product before you buy it. And I believe this is one of the biggest potential competitors to Amazon because it's the one thing that Amazon can't do. Right, So Toys R Us didn't figure this out in time, but the Lego stores understood it for a long time that people want to come to the store to play. And kids love coming to the Lego store. It's a destination in and of itself. And I think they're doing a really cool job with that. And, and so it's not surprising
0: to me that while you were waiting, they made sure that everybody else was entertained. And the parents love bringing the kids to the Lego store because the kids play and have fun, and it's a great way to break up a shopping trip. The second part of the article that really stood out to me was this idea of build play in. And this isn't surprising given that Lego is a toy company, but the article points out that embedding little surprise moments of play into the customer interactions is increasingly showing up in many different markets and many different offerings. In fact, the article talks about the email marketing tool MailChimp and how it gives you the chance to high-five the chimp by clicking on its hand. Now what's interesting is if you do that and you keep clicking on the hand, the chimp's hand will turn red the more you click it. In the same way that if I was high-fiving you, after a while of high-fiving, the hand starts to turn red. And so I thought that was an interesting way to build almost like a little Easter egg, as they say in the world of uh, you know movies and entertainment and video games, build in a little hidden moment of play that encourages their users to have some fun along the way.
1: Yeah, I love that. We've talked about that in packaging a bunch of times on this show, whether it was the imperfect produce box that you can turn on the bottom and, and see a clever message, or I believe we had a, a guest share with us his wife being on the keto diet that was on there as well. And these are small, usually inexpensive expensive ways to just kind of add a little bit of play and
0: wittiness to the experience that people really remember. Agreed. And the final example from the article I want to highlight here quickly is don't be afraid to dismantle to find a better way. The article notes that all too often when something doesn't work, we fall into that easy trap of simply fixing it. Now, while this certainly solves the problem, it misses the opportunity. And the opportunity is to try to rebuild the product or the service or the system with a new, clearer, better, informed understanding of the previous design's weakness or its problems or its challenges. And when you create something a second time, it goes faster because your knowledge is greater. So as they say in the article, quote, you know where the awkward parts are so you can change your approach. And in the future, when something goes wrong at your business, instead of just fixing it, consider taking it all apart and building again from scratch. You may find that you don't need all the pieces you had before, or you can use them in a different way. Either way, what you build will be better for it. Sometimes, a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty-gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. So as our listeners may or may not know, there's
1: a lot that goes into producing a podcast. Joey, what is your
0: least favorite part of that podcasting? Oh my gosh, it is, without a doubt, preparing the show notes preparing the show notes. Here's the thing. I get that show notes are useful. Uh, in an audio medium, lots of times there are things that Dan and I do our best to describe to our listeners, but you know, we worry that a picture would show it better or we'd like to point them in the direction of a download or something they can use. And so we feel like it's important to have show notes, but we kind of, to be honest, don't really know if people find them valuable. And it's like most shows have show notes, and it's kind of, you need to have them, and they help with SEO and things like that. But putting together show notes is not very fun. It's just not.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like one of those required aspects of your business. I mean, every business, every company, every endeavor has some element in it that are slightly important and relevant to the customer experience. But those of us in charge of the
0: business or company or endeavor don't really like doing. Exactly. And I think this is an aspect of customer experience that isn't often discussed. The pieces of the business that you have to do that are definitely a crucial part of the overall customer experience, but that you personally may not be excited to work on. And so that's why we wanted to pull back the curtain a bit during this segment and explain what happens behind the scenes at Experience This because we try to practice what we preach and we realize that sometimes delivering a complete customer experience isn't the most fun. So show notes fit into this category for us. So before season three, we had the chance to partner with a new sponsor, Belay Virtual Assistant Services. Now, Belay offers U.S.-based virtual assistants, and their core belief is that people should spend more time growing their business and doing the things in their business that they enjoy instead of managing the minutia of their business, the mundane little stuff that's best left to someone else. The good news is Belay has people who love to do the things that you can't stand.
1: (laughs) Sounds like we could do a whole, I love it, I can't stand it segment to identify all of
0: the things that we could have a virtual assistant do. We absolutely could. And in fact, one of the reasons I was so excited to work with Belay is to get someone else to prepare the show notes. Now, not only would that mean that Dan and I didn't need to write up the show notes, we could get a VA to do that for us, but the VA could do it much more effectively, much more efficiently. It would help keep our costs low, avoid unnecessary overhead, and let Dan and I really focus on the thing we like to do, which is keeping our eyes open for interesting stories and coming up with ideas for stories for the show and then recording the show. Now, I will say that getting set up with the VA was pretty easy. So, Belay did all the work in pre screening candidates. They have a whole library of candidates, and I met with them and did an interview and filled out some forms and explained what we were looking for and exactly what we were needing help with. And then Belay helped match us to a great candidate, actually, to two great candidates who we ended up hiring Cassie and Whitney. And Belay helped us with the onboarding as well. So, they did a a joint call handoff once we had decided to start working together and then proceeded to check in at the 30-day and 60-day and 90-day mark with their client success consultants. What I loved about this process is not only did they make sure we had a good fit, but one of the things that I personally had to get over was this idea that I don't like to assign people not fun parts of work. Like anytime I've ever worked with employees of mine, I always try to make sure they get to do some of the fun stuff too. Now, every job has parts that aren't fun, but I felt a little guilty about having employees who really all they did for the experience of this show was the transcription and the show notes, things that Dan and I weren't super excited about. But what was cool is that Cassie and Whitney, are VAs, We're excited about this, and we're happy to be part of the team, and we're happy to be contributing. And so now, when Dan and I are done recording, we have a a shared Google Drive folder. As soon as the show has been produced by our engineer, RJ, Cassie or Whitney grabs the show notes and proceeds to put together the show, which makes it super easy. And then when a show is about to be released, guess what? It just gets released. It's all done. Everything is seamlessly handled which feels amazing. Well,
1: I can certainly say that your mood has improved. <laughs> since, <laughs> since you don't have to do the show notes. Yeah, because that was, that was your job for a while. And uh, I, I know having done it as well, that it is, it's very laborious. And, and it is one of those things where, like you said, you don't know whether people find it useful. We've never had anybody say, man, I love those show notes. I couldn't live without them. And yet we feel like we,
0: right. We do people go to the show notes. So we know from our traffic that people go there and click on the links in our show notes. But it's kind of hard to know whether that's really important to listeners or not what we do know is it's probably not the best
1: use of our time. Because if we're doing that, then we're not doing some of the other things that you mentioned, like finding great stories or finding the energy to record a show or whatever it is. And I think that's, to me, the learning here is that there are always parts of a job that you don't like. And the beauty of a virtual assistant is that you can give those parts away. You can delegate those parts without feeling guilty because that's
0: exactly why they have the jobs that they have. Exactly. And I think the other thing that is really relevant to our show, because I, I, I wouldn't want listeners of this to be like, oh, so this is a plug for Belay. I mean, it is a plug for Belay because they're awesome. But more importantly, it's okay to delegate aspects of your customer experience to other folks to folks outside your organization. Now obviously you want to monitor that, you want to make sure the quality is good and you know just to be very clear before the show notes are actually published Dan and I jump in and we look through the show notes to make sure they've included everything and everything is properly presented the way we would like it to be and that kind of thing. So we we pay attention to it but the mundane aspect is outsourced. the Even just the, the task of submitting the recording to the AI transcription service we use and then getting that back and reading through it to make sure that it is legible and makes sense it's nice to be able to outsource that. So, as you think about your own business, are there aspects of interaction with your customers or tools that you create for your customers to use that you could have somebody else working on to free up a little bit of your time and make your life a little bit easier? Now, I believe that Belay can help any business, right? A virtual assistant can be useful to any business in any capacity. So, here's what I recommend you do go to belaysolutions.com. So that's B E dot com slash experience this. And don't worry, haha, surprise, surprise, it'll be in the show notes if you want to click over to the show notes at experienceshow.com And when you click over there, what you'll be able to do is two things. Number one, there's a document you can download that gives some suggestions of things that you could outsource and delegate. I found this to be hugely useful when we started working with RVA to not only think beyond the show notes because RVAs do some other things as well, like scheduling interviews that we do with folks or conversations that we have or fielding requests from PR companies that come in and say, hey, we'd love you to check out this article or this white paper. You know, They can help us with the scheduling of that. So that document's really useful. And you can also, if you choose, share your email if you want to be contacted by someone at Belay to discuss getting your own VA. Because at the end of the day, it's all about creating a remarkable customer experience. And folks, you don't have to do it by yourself. Just because you have required elements of your business doesn't mean they need to be boring. It's time to get creative, have some fun, and make people sit up and take notice. Get your customers talking when you make the required remarkable. Dan, you've spent many, many a night in a hotel over the years, and as a result, have walked through many hotel lobbies over the years. Are there any lobbies that in particular stand out to you? Yeah, I
1: remember the Mandarin Oriental in Las Vegas, and I don't think it's there anymore, but it was... Regrettably, it was a lovely hotel. Beautiful hotel and just incredibly ornate with all these statues and artwork. And I remember just standing there and looking around trying to take it all in because there was so much there to see.
0: Yeah. Part of the reason I ask is because over the last 10 days or so, I had the chance to visit two different hotels and walk through two different hotel lobbies that really stood out. And where were those, Joey? Well, one was Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, and the other was the one hotel, South Beach, in Miami, Florida.
1: So so you're pretty far apart
0: geographically but also those seem like they couldn't be more different hotels. <laughs> That's very very true but like you talked about earlier this season with our segments on Mojo Coffee and Cafe X sometimes the best way to make your brand stand out is to go against the grain of the competition which is why I think that these two hotels made a mark on me. So let's talk about Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas first. I mean First of all, Vegas itself is one gigantic experience and Caesars is a long-term experience that is really on point and on brand at every interaction. When you walk in, I mean, the place is fit for a modern-day emperor. As you come up the drive, there are fountains, there are columns, you feel like you are stepping back in time. And the lobby in particular has these gigantic mosaics behind the check-in desk. And when I say gigantic, I'm talking, I don't know, probably 10 to 12 feet tall and probably 20 feet wide or more that show chariot races scenes and gods and goddesses. And they have costume staff walking around the lobby that look like Roman centurions and exotic royalty. I mean, it's just the whole experience from the moment you step into the hotel, they're setting the tone and they're setting the scene. And don't even get me started on the forum shops area of the hotel that actually has painted ceilings that look like cloud-filled skies. And then they have replicas of famous Italian or Roman marble statues throughout. And they can dim the lights and change the lighting so that you feel like it's nighttime inside the area or daytime. It's absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, I love the painted ceilings. If I recall, those also are in the casino, which you probably didn't spend as much time in as I did. (laughs) Spend As much time in the casino. No, you are correct. But yes, Caesars is definitely a fun place to visit.
0: Yeah. So the Caesars was amazing. Now for a change of scenery, literally and figuratively from Las Vegas, I ended up traveling not too many days later to the one hotel, South Beach. Now, first of all, this hotel has an incredible location. And when you enter the hotel, it's like stepping inside a modern, tasteful, architectural digest-esque greenhouse. There are plants and greenery everywhere including an amazing lobby floral shop with pop art icon vases filled with cacti they have a giant wall mural and folks this is one where it's really worth going and checking out the show notes and I'm not just plugging that cuz we just did a segment on the show notes but go to the show notes at experiencethisshow.com and see a picture of this it's a mural that depicts a swimmer uh that seems fitting for a hotel on the beach Yes, it does. But what caught my attention about this mural is two things. Number one, it's floor to ceiling. It's a 20 by 30 foot mural. And it's made from live moss growing through slits in a white painted wall. Wait, the mural is made of moss? the mural is made of moss. It's not painted. It's green moss that creates this image of a swimmer. It's crazy, and it's beautiful, and it's remarkable. So what's interesting is the hotel has this mission to bring the natural world indoors. It's committed to reuse, and recycling is extensive. They use eco-friendly cleaning products. They have bamboo keys. Uh, the staff uniforms are made from hemp. Everywhere you turn, there are these subtle touches designed Designed to reinforce their brand image around growing organic elements. And they set the tone for this instantly when you walk in and see this gigantic mural made out of moss.
1: Well, it's pretty cool. You and I have talked before about companies that are really trying to be environmentally friendly and not in the kind of stereotypical tree hugger way, but in actually figuring out how to uh, recycle more, use less waste, use natural products, etc. And it definitely sounds like this hotel is doing that. It They are.
0: And what I think is the the common thread between your experience at the Mandarin Oriental Las Vegas and my experience at Caesars Palace and then the experience at one hotel in South Beach is this commitment to making the lobby an experience in and of itself. And I think in particular, hotel art is something we're going to see more and more focus on in the future. And don't just take my word for it. I recently stumbled across an article in Architectural Digest called The Big Trend in Hotel Art, which it's a really catchy title that leaves nothing to and the it imagination. You to predict a big trend in hotel art? It caused me to predict a big trend in hotel art. Yeah. Funny how that worked, right? But what I love is the article, it starts by talking about this new sculpture at the peninsula Hong Kong that took 72 people and two cranes to install. And then they also talk about this three-story high weeping cartoon character at a property in Bermuda. And then a Damien Hirsch bronze of a headless giant that is taller than most Ferris wheels and now sits on an island located in the middle of a swimming pool at the Palms Casino Resort in Las Vegas. Now, obviously, there's a continuing theme of Las Vegas hotels here, but the best hotels are betting big, no pun intended, and these art pieces are not cheap, that a great way to stand out is going to be with world-class art. Well, I love it conceptually. I mean, everything's big in Vegas, right? I mean,
1: it doesn't matter whether it is the art or the food or the casinos or entertainment or the hair or the whatever it is it's always big and and that is one of the things that makes Las Vegas in particular appealing i think here you know to me it depends on the artwork right if you're a really big art fan you may uh, this may be you know more interesting to you but it sounds like that these are more than art they're they're actually meant to be experiential and you can't miss going into the the one hotel and and seeing that that moss display right because it's it's gigantic and it's right in front of you and so you don't have to be an art lover to appreciate it
0: exactly and it's one of the things i love about this trend towards art in hotel lobbies the people who are really in the know about art and really have a love and affinity for art are going to go bonkers over this because they'll know the artist you know when when they see a damien hirst piece they know who it is and they they have kind of that background but even folks who have zero exposure to art are going to be captured and captivated by the aesthetics of the art piece so i think the takeaway for me here is what is your business doing to think about incorporating art and aesthetics into the experience? Are there things you can do to take your customer's breath away when they walk into your office or into your store? If you were trying to uh, create an analogy to this, what could you do to make a customer have the same experience Dan did when he walked in and really had to kind of pause and just take it all in? What could we do to design our experiences to have that type of emotional interaction right out of the blocks we've talked you've listened now it's time to act there are many things you could do to take what you've learned in this episode and implement it but at times that can feel overwhelming instead why not just focus on three takeaways takeaway number one what can lego teach you about experience Do you believe that every point of the experience matters? Have you mapped the journey your customers travel before they interact with your product or service, as well as afterwards? Have you made time to build in play? When things go wrong, do you fix them or make the bold choice to dismantle the whole thing and find a better way? Takeaway
1: number two, are there aspects of your customer experience that are important, but That you don't need to spend your time on? Every business has customer touch points that are important but not significant. Where can you have someone else handle the behind the scenes activities to make sure you can focus even more on the crucial parts of your customer
0: experience? Takeaway number three Are you incorporating art into your experience? When people come to visit your office, your store, or any location your brand frequents, is the experience artistic? Are there things that stand out, things that your visitors or customers will want to take a picture of and send to someone else or post on social media? By designing your space, be it your lobby, your office, or a pop-up location, you have the chance to embrace the arts and use them to showcase your remarkableness. And those are the three takeaways
1: for this episode, which also brings us to the end of Season 3 of The Experience This Show. Aw, oh, so sad,
0: Joey. Aw, oh, parting is such sweet sorrow. Season 3 would not have happened without the support of many incredible people, including... Our partners at Cytel Group, especially Becky Davis,
1: Martin Wilkinson Brown, and Rebecca Sanders. Our friends at YokoCo, who designed our website, including Stacey, Max, and Chris. And the lovely client success team at Belay Solutions, especially Ashley, for all of their work to make Season 3 possible.
0: And let's not forget our production team, which includes RJ Basilio, our audio engineer, Cassie and Whitney, our incredible virtual assistants and keepers of the show notes, and my law school roommate Davin Seaman, who's the composer of our music and our intros and outros. Also, we want to thank the many contributors who
1: left us messages on Speakpipe, who provided audio clips, who sent in stories of their own experiences so that we could create a new segment called Listener Stories. We
0: appreciate every one of you for helping make the show what it is. And last but not least, to you, our listeners, every podcast hopes to have amazing, remarkable listeners. And guess what? Ours are the best. We love that you tune in week after week. We love that you submit stories for us to listen to. We love that you share the podcast with your friends. But most of all, we just love that you're willing to give us time. Give us time to think a little bit differently about customer experience, to hear some stories of customer experience delight, and to take the things you learn from the show and implement them into your business so that your customer experience gets better and causes all boats to rise together. Because if you make your business better, it forces your competitors to get better, which forces everybody that you interact with to get better when it comes to the experience they deliver to their customers. So thanks for
1: a wonderful season three. Have a fantastic summer. And we will see you back here in the fall for season four of the experience. This
0: show. Wow. Thanks for joining us for another episode of experience. This we know there are tons of
1: podcasts to listen to magazines and books to read reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that
0: you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more
1: Experience
0: This.